I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Bridget. She has general... Oh, fuck. (laughs) I... Generalized panic. No, 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 hold on. It's not GAD. Do you have generalized anxiety disorder? Yeah. Holy fuck. All right. <laughs> Just give me one thing. <laughs> I got this. I got this. Here we go. <laughs> oh, this is, this is so silly. This stays in. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Bridget. She has panic disorders, generalized anxiety disorder, and agoraphobia. Let's talk about it. <laughs> And if Donovan, uh, if Donovan I, can just take the, the clap track from that, add it to the first one, and then actually play both of them. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, I just really want to say, I don't know if this is insensitive. Um, Bridget, maybe you can answer this, but uh, I feel like you doing the intro multiple times gave me anxiety. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what? I was, I, my heart rate kind of picked up a little. I couldn't tell if it was the anxiety or the Red Bull I just drank five minutes ago. <laughs> Um, a mix of both. I, I, was, I guess I should start by saying, um, save some for the rest of us. How, oh, what, you how, so much. You, yeah, what, what, so you've got panic disorders. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, lay I it out for us. panic disorder. Well, diagnosed panic disorder with agoraphobia, which was di- diagnosed later. Uh, generalized anxiety disorder and anxiety with depression. So it's a whole mixed bag. Um, and... Yeah, so a lot of people, I think, have really weird misconceptions about what all that means. Um, mostly for me, the the part that is the most difficult, I would say, to navigate in my day-to-day functioning would be the panic with the agoraphobia. So you guys are all med students. Um, Does so- anyone not know what agoraphobia is? I'm going to raise my hand. The, uh, the how, girl how in many- St. John didn't know. St. John, you don't know? And how many of you Pizza. don't know, but will tell know. us you don't know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah all right. Sweet. I knew there was one of you. Is it, it's, not, it's not afraid of spiders. That's arachnophobia. That's arachnophobia. What's yeah. agoraphobia? Agoraphobia. Af- well, afraid of gore. Yeah, well, it, it's different. So as okay. you guys have... Al Gore? You guys have been doing this a long time. You probably <laughs> fear, know that... A fear of Al Gore. A, a, I'm a not fear of, of climate change? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was a bad string of jokes. It's, uh, it's different for the individual. Um, a lot of people sort of think of it in terms of what you might have seen in a movie. There was this movie, this was years ago, that came out of, you know, this woman who had agoraphobia who couldn't leave her house and um, oh. had, like, blinds all over the windows mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And if the blind got open, it was very jarring. Um, mine sort of is not like that. Um, though it has had bouts that like that, so it kind of waxes and wanes and has over the course of my life. So I was diagnosed with panic disorder when I was 11 years, no, 12 years old. I had my first panic attack at 11. Oh, whoa. And, is, uh, that, is, that, is that 
I have no idea. Is that young on the spectrum of being diagnosed with something like that, or is it? Is that? I don't know to tell you the truth, Um, and I don't know a lot of people who have panic disorder. I have one. um, Is that because you're all afraid to talk to each other? Well, (laughs) no. Is that a bad joke? It's not. uh, (laughs) I think it's something that there's the misconception, like panic disorder. A lot of people say they're having panic attacks. They're having, Mm -hmm. and they are having panic attacks. But a lot of people experience panic in the sensation they're having a panic attack, and it's a very physical reaction. So their heart Mm -hmm. starts racing, their palms get sweaty. Uh, you know, they feel faint um, and they feel very uncomfortable. Um, so my panic disorder, I feel all of that stuff when panic attacks happen, but I also have depersonalization and derealization. And those are the things that make uh, my type of panic disorder really, really tricky. So depersonalization, you don't feel like you're alive anymore. Oh my uh, God, what? Well, like yeah, you, like, like you, literally feel like you have died? Or you feel like you're. This is not reality. So like, Whoa. yeah. So it's uh, like it, you're dreaming almost, or no, like you're like like freaking the fuck out in your head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and it, but it's like there's nothing you can do about it. It's like you're you're just not there anymore. Uh, but and it's really hard to stay physically present at that time too. Derealization is you're not sure what you're doing or where you are, um, but you're fully panicking. So you know your adrenaline levels have spiked. Um, if you don't catch it early enough, it's really um, exhausting and it takes a long time to come down from. And this sounds like I took way too much, many mushrooms one time. Right. Yeah. And then at, a, at like a, a place I probably shouldn't have taken them. It was like a party in the woods. Yeah. And I just started <laughs> freaking out and I went into a tent and I stayed in the tent. And then I thought for sure I was dying. And the whole time I was panicking and yeah. you are making me have a flashback right now and I'm super uncomfortable. I'm going to leave. <laughs> uh, but it, does, it sounds, it, that's, Mushrooms, everybody. that truly sounds like, um, like a living hell. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, I mean, it's not great, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have had it since I was 11, so I'm now 41. And, uh, does so- it normalize then? Yeah. Does it kind of feel? I don't know. Like I have heard of people who have like conquered their panic disorder, or you know, yeah. you'll get uh, someone will give you a book for Christmas that says like, "Take care of your own bullshit anxiety and own it for own it <laughs> forever." And it's like, well, and then it goes away. No, no, no. <laughs> but you know, there's uh, there. It, it's a constant thing. And if there's anyone else here who has panic disorder, you know, in the Q and A after, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well. But um, it is something that. Um, it, it's a daily thing. It's you wake up and mm. every day is different and uh, you have to um, have some strategies always in place. Do you, um, have, do you have specific triggers or, or can you tell when a panic attack is coming on? Yes. Um, so the, that's the agoraphobia part. Um, so if I've had a major panic attack in a certain situation, um, you know, a psychiatrist, um, psychologist would try to do work with you to make you go back to that situation. Um, for me, I've tried a lot of stuff like that. And um, like there, there's uh, desensitize, desensitization exercises where you like go and approach the place where you've had the panic attack. It, 
it does it hasn't worked for me mm-hmm. and you know I'm getting to the age where I'm ki- I'm getting a much better hold of a, on it over mm-hmm. the past couple of years. Is there like a visceral feeling though? Like if you wake up in the morning and you know it's one of those days, do you feel yeah. like a physical sensation? Yeah, and that's another thing I've had to learn over the years is how to channel my energy and make choices for myself that allow me to you know have be able to take care of my children and be mm-hmm. able to do what I need to do to like live in society. And, mm-hmm. um, yes. Yeah, so yes, I feel like there's a, <laughs> a lot to unpack here because you have three kids Yeah, and you're, what, what do you do for a living? Uh, I've been a teacher since a uh, high school teacher, English, mostly teacher since I was 23. <laughs> that sounds that like the teach? worst career for yeah. someone. Anxiety. <laughs> but but what, you, what age, what age group do you teach? Mostly grade 11 and 12. Um, okay. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's probably the easiest out of, out of, I, I mean, not to like, not to say your job's easy, but right. yeah. I, I mean, if you were you teaching, think? if you said grade seven, I would have been like, fuck, good luck yeah, with the rest no, of your I life. Know. Oh my God. Yeah, that I sounds know. awful. <laughs> but so, so then was that? Is that um, something that you took into consideration when you were choosing your career path, though? No. Like, like managing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then, it was. Like, well, we were talking, uh, it was sort of a natural progression. I played sports all my life. I was a competitive athlete, was sort of the head, the leader of everything growing up, like the student council, the, you know, whatever the... the needed the leadership role is the one that I took on. Um, I find that that's really interesting though, because Mm -hmm. taking a leadership role in spite of the fact that you suffer from some, something like a panic disorder or agoraphobia, it seems, it seems like, you know, like there'd be a lot of stigma around the way that somebody's personality would be affected by living with the the types of um, disorders that you live with. Was, is that, is that something that you're, um, that you hear quite a bit? Um, well, I think a lot of people who have sort of like major anxiety issues are probably, and this is not, there's no theory behind this or anything. Um, a lot of people I know for sure have sort of a similar childhood path that I had. So like very much a perfectionist as a child, like a pleaser, always wanting to like do the best job I could, like be the best at whatever it was that I was doing. So there was that side of it too. That was that, you know, constantly pushing and not necessarily understanding that maybe some of these things that I was doing all the time weren't making me healthy. So Mm -hmm. weren't, you know, I wasn't necessarily taking care of my mental health, but you don't realize this when you're, 12 years old and then you don't realize it much really at all until you actually take some time to think about it and I right. was the type of person that doesn't slow down so I was always taking on something you know like coaching the team doing the extra thing <laughs> running the play no nothing about it like like just kind of doing it all and then like crashing or feeling totally exhausted so in like were there were there moments where you'd be in like a position of leadership where all of a sudden you'd be overcome with uh, a panic attack or a, an, an episode of something that would kind of pull you out of that moment or or negatively affect you no not really like I did have a particularly challenging year um, I don't know it was like a, a bout in teaching where I was feeling really hyped up all the time to the point where uh, my classroom was on the second floor and every day, like it was just these weird coping strategies to try to get comfortable in the space because I did have a panic attack in class one day and the kids wouldn't have noticed, but it, you know, it was Whoa, very really? hard to, and challenging to deal with. Yeah. How, yeah. how does it... Uh- I, I well, guess, in English, I guess, it's easy. It's like, take out your book and silent, <laughs> silent reading for 20 minutes while sit I down get and my like, shit together. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. like, you can just hold the book in front of your face yeah. as yeah. you go... 
<laughs> yeah, because I mean, because p- panic attacks in like in pop culture, like in media, are, yeah. are very and obviously because like by the nature of like of film or t- television or, or whatever it is, is very like is very visual and they you know there's a lot of it's very dramatic in terms of the body. Yeah. Is that is is that is that fair for some people and and just not the case for others? Like where you can internalize it and and deal and deal with it sort um, of a, in this incognito sort of way. Right. Depends on the situation. Uh, my husband and my best friend are here tonight, so they would definitely say they have seen some physical <laughs> stuff that's not so desirable. Um, but you know, like a situation like this for a lot of people with anxiety would be very anxiety provoking. Mm-hmm. Um, you but mean it's like live me. audience recording? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah so. That's why we brought you here. We were like, yeah, it's going to be crazy, dude. She'll, make her have a she'll panic try to flip the air. table and like smash the glass <laughs> over her head. <laughs> yeah, that's no, what Jer was hoping um, for. So yeah, so back to this classroom thing. Uh, I did have a bout where I would go into the classroom every morning and completely change around the seats um, to try to give myself like a different perspective to try to sort of make some sort of shift in my psyche so that I could be more comfortable in the environment. Whoa. And I'm sure the kids thought like I was using like like major doses of cannabis or but it's like going through like a midlife crisis or something like she's so something. organized yeah. <laughs> but at one point Wait, were you doing it while the kids were sitting in the chairs no, no i would come in a bit <laughs> that would be oh i have God. done stuff like that uh, but it would be like okay this morning i've i've turned you all to um we're not facing any kind of a board today we're going to face outside the windows in the classroom and i'm going to write with like a uh, like uh, erasable marker on the windows, like you know, like a beautiful mind or something like that. And uh, the kids would be like, "Okay, and, and that's, that's really actually brilliant." Like they're, they're because just, they don't know, they don't know, they don't they, know, they just they don't roll know anything. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. It would be like, sorry if you're like a first year and today. You just got out of high like school. we're going to get into small groups, and I'm going to come around and then take each small group out into the hall. Actually, in this hall by the door, where I feel a bit more comfortable today, and like let's go sort of thing and they're like yeah. whatever like you know like were you the cool teacher I, like were you the teacher that the kids were like oh yeah i can't wait to go to class today we know we who knows what's gonna happen she's today. always doing she's always she's doing, doing wacky, wacky things, things. Yeah. You know, i thought i at some points i think like when i was younger my ego was a bit more involved um and <laughs> as you know happens mm-hmm. um but i was actually about to tell brian the story before we went on about um my sister um uh, younger sister sitting down with a group of former students that i was cl- quite close with and they were at a bar and they were having some drinks and then it came up that uh i was miss brennan and they were like oh my god miss brennan and like as she's telling the story i was like i know exactly what she's gonna say here that i was like the teacher that like made the difference and it actually ended up it had been a, a group of guys that she was out with that I taught they were like she was the hot one and I'm like <laughs> your anxiety like, starts to spike oh no oh no it was just so disappointing I'm like oh god I, I wanted to be inspiring like, yeah I thought it was going to be like I was the favorite <laughs> you were the favorite then, how, does, yeah. how does your <laughs> I can tell you that how does your uh, how does I, your agoraphobia yeah yeah I want to yeah. go to that because I, I don't understand I still don't understand it yeah the agoraphobia well, well right. we actually did we actually did speak about agoraphobia once on the show before but the but our, mm-hmm. unfortunately, our hard drive actually ended up crashing. We lost the episode. Right Remember, in Ottawa. In, in Ottawa, right. And um, and sort of similar to what I my question about the about kind of like pop culture versus reality. Mm-hmm. 
like agoraphobia. And I, I think for a long time, I didn't really know exactly what that was, but then somebody used the word recluse and it was like, Oh, like an agoraph, an agoraphobe is somebody yeah. who's a recluse and like never leaves their house. And that's the kind of the, the, the image that I have in my image or thought that I have in my head. What form does that take with you? Because when we had, when we had the conversation before, it was much different. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that at all. Right. Um, so I'm not a recluse. Um, the worst, I'll tell you about the worst bout and then I'll tell you how I navigate agoraphobia. Um, the worst bout was probably, I think I was 28 or 29. Um, and uh, my husband had gone to Toronto, I think, for a few days. And uh, I was having a bad bout with anxiety in, in general. And I just, I was about to like get in the car and drive down to visit my parents who live in Porter's Lake. And all of a sudden I got stuck at the door and it was like, I, I could not leave the house. Like uh, you were running in, like as if you were running into a physical barrier? You no, know, it was more like, I don't have the confidence that I can successfully get in the car right now and drive without having a panic attack. Mm. Uh, so it was really, that was probably the most challenging period my um my best friend sarah up there she like i had her come over and i think we ended up drinking a bottle of wine or something like it but it was like just trying to kind of get through it and it passes and that's the thing like um with mental health and this is why i love so much what you guys are doing like these episodes pass so like you know, some people go down a rabbit hole like that and think like this, we're never going to get out of this. Mm-hmm. This is my Ooh. life now. Right. And it sounds very it, much like mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, Jerry, it really does. I, I know. Mushrooms, but, uh, um, well, it's kind of like that. Yeah. So agoraphobia. <laughs> for, Don't. <laughs> maybe I'll try. No, you probably shouldn't do mushrooms. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, so agoraphobia. I got a bag right here. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so agoraphobia Never for me now is mostly um, I really have a lot of difficulty driving on a highway, um, especially it's mostly situations that I don't have an immediate route of escape. So it's, it's like I have this map in my head that I have to navigate mm. and know the exits and the ways to get out of things before I'm willing to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like driving on the highway is challenging, especially if we, um, if I can't, if I don't know where the exit is. So if we're like, and I have all these weird strategies to deal with things, like I'll be on Google maps, looking at the traveling place, being like pulling it up, trying to figure out where the next exit is. Or where you could make your own exit. Right. You know, or, it's like, or like yeah, there's a lake there. Yeah, you know, here I go. An exit, it's yeah. particularly stimulating. Flying is a nightmare for me. Oh, uh, no. So, like, uh, Kyla kept sending out these things for like all the trips you guys are doing in the winter. And I can, I was just thinking, she would, I would just be her worst nightmare trying to organize this trip with. Because so when I book a, a flight, and I do still fly, even though it's probably my main phobia, um, I need to sit at the very back of the plane. It needs to be at least a 737 uh, or a 320, meaning it needs to have at least two on each side. It's like I've researched the absolute bejesus out of things. Like before, it, What's the logic there, though? Or is there any? There's not really. Like, sure, it's it, just it's, the number um, you like? You like the, n- no, the sound of it? I like. it needs to be a certain size. It can't okay. be small. Right. I need to be able to stand up. And I need to be able to sit in the back so if I feel like I'm panicking, I can look up and at least have space. 
because it's kind of a claustrophobic right. thing too. Mm-hmm. And I also take Xanax when I fly, and that's how I, right. I get through that. There's something I want to say so badly, and I just can't. It. Nope, I won't do it because it's just <laughs> going. You can't say, say it. Say I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know what? This is. I, you, you I definitely shouldn't. I, nope. Say fuck it. that. Yeah, no. no, I'm not. I'm not adding to your fears. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's change the subject. Uh, uh, I, have, I have some. I have some questions. <laughs> oh, fuck. Help me. Uh, okay. So. So, so I, I'm curious, um, at the beginning you said that this started when you were 13, uh, 14 like years old? 11 or 12. Okay. I think I had my first panic attack so, when I was um, what, uh, what was, no, you can't tell, don't, don't tell, tell anybody after. after. No. Fucking leave it. Uh, so, so what was that like, that, that first experience like? Oh. And how did you figure out that this was panic Well, I didn't at first. Um, so I can remember the experience very clearly. I was in grade five and um, like I... Was probably being quiet and paying attention. Like, um, <laughs> I just pushed my glasses up. I forgot that this is a, a, a podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but cool it's, it's just like the room started kind of like getting out of hand. Like it, it just the derealization started happening, and I just remember kind of like slow motion, not even asking the teacher, but going to the washroom. And I remember there was a checkered floor. And just like going and sitting down on the floor by the window and just like overcome with like complete like, I don't know. It was very traumatizing because I didn't understand what was happening. I didn't tell anybody for a while after that too because I I think I told my parents and they were just like, whatever. (laughs) As what, you know, kind of was the approach with parenting in the early 90s. Um, So yeah, that that was the first time, yeah. Okay, and then and then was there? You said that that wasn't the first time that you you didn't find out that you you were having a panic attack there. Right. So what was the first time that you actually found out, and, um, and what prompted you to like actually go and see somebody that could tell you that? Well, I didn't see somebody for quite a while, but um, it, grade six things got really bad. I couldn't sit in the classroom unless the teacher left the door open at least a crack. And uh, how, how did you manage that? Like, did you? I sat by the door, and if they forgot, I would go and and do it, or I'd make an excuse to go to the bathroom so that I could come back and leave the door open. So basically, all day, I'm not sure like how much I actually learned that year because I was so obsessed with like having being able to get out of the classroom if I felt panicky. And I started yeah. having a lot of panic attacks that year in grade six. And like your 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 teacher would have no clue. Uh, I think at that time they had me see like a school psychologist and it sort of came out that I was having some anxiety. And And was that because you were like, I should talk to somebody or was that because somebody else was like, you should talk to somebody. I can't really remember, but I think it was probably... Um, As someone in grade six, I, I, I mean, I don't know, yeah, but I, I feel like it would be hard for me to imagine myself at grade six going, I need help. You right. know, like yeah. I, I needed... I needed help all the time, but I didn't fucking know. <laughs> I needed people to tell me I needed help. You know, right. like yeah. yeah, right, yeah. You know, yeah, you know very little. You don't know you're, shit. You're being fully taken care of, like at all times. Yeah, by yeah. adults. Yeah, like I, it would be. I would be shocked if you took it on your own to go. I need a psychologist. Uh, yeah, no, it was nothing like that. I think I did see like my family. I think my mother probably eventually took me to a family doctor, and that's when yeah uh, the diagnosis mm. uh, happened. And but then like there was like um, my parents were anti medication, and I was like whatever you know, and uh, I didn't really have consistent access to a counselor or anything like that. Like, mind you, I'm from a family of four kids. They were very busy. You know, this was something that I think they thought puberty would happen and it would just right. sort of... Were they anti-medication away. because they 
they had this notion that like, we don't want our daughter to become a vegetable. Like we don't want our daughter to, to change in terms of the way she moves about the world. Or, uh, or I think was it was more, it more the like, time period. Like it was right. just like no one was really talking about it. Nobody. There was like you probably can a bit deal of shame. With it sort of thing. Like you'll deal with it. It'll. It'll. Kind yeah, of just I was away. very like you know. It was like don't talk to too many people about this. Like you're fine. Mm-hmm. You're fine. You can get through. Right. And I did. Like I like you know played every sport. Was really successful at a lot of things. So um, I it just it, it would have been great had I had more intervention as a younger child mm-hmm. because this really spiraled into something that, you know, has I'm forty one and it's still happening. At so. what age did something start to change in terms of like um active treatment or active uh, like an active role in in, right. in the healthcare system? Um I started seeing a psychiatrist when I was 27, I would say. Holy shit. Yeah, well, so that's there was a, a lot big of, gap of time. Yep, but uh, I would do like, um, I remember like flying weep, uh, for Canada Games Volleyball, and this would have been like, God, I don't even know what year, um, 1997, maybe 99. Anyway, we Good flew. Good uh, <laughs> We flew, yeah. it was 97. Um, we flew, <laughs> we had to fly to Cuba to train for three weeks, and, uh, and then we were flying to Canada Games that were in, I think, Calgary or Regina or something like that for that year. And um, like the strategies to deal with it would have been like, go see your family doctor. He would give me some Valium. And then they decided that I would be allowed to drink some vodka with the Valium on the plane. So it wasn't Whoa. like like very good idea. Yeah, what's and the, my coach what, was okay. What's the upper What's the upper age limit? Because I know it's Jesus different for every sport. Christ. I was uh, nineteen. Okay. So I was like legally allowed okay. to consume Because like alcohol. when I went to can when I was on the Canada game for for hockey, it, it was sixteen. So I was right. like. I was thinking. I was thinking too. I was like underage. They gave you vodka. Like, there's no rules in the air, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking crazy, though. Like, we're gonna put you on Valium and also just uh, slip a little bit of vodka in there too. Is that not like like, you're gonna sit by the coach? Yeah. Is that like? I mean, you guys. I don't know. Is, is that, that like bad? Don't do that for sure. Don't do that. I feel like, do like that I feel like for sure probably don't do that. Like <laughs> yeah, like for sure probably don't. I take my <laughs> enzymes with rum and coke, but like that's a different thing than Valium. I take your vodka. enzymes with rum and coke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also not, do that. That's no. That's not. Shouldn't uh, say that. Shouldn't talk that. about nope, that in public. That. All right. Uh, <laughs> change the subject. <laughs> uh, so, um, so considering that you you went up all the way up until twenty seven yeah. without actually. Actually, um, getting any like uh, help from the healthcare system. Right. Uh, what types of coping strategies did you develop during that time, oh, um, and what what was effective for you? Effective? I'm not. Well, I did every did things, so I guess there was some effectiveness. What was not effective? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, paddling, for instance. So, being a competitive paddler, if I if we were training in um, in uh, like K one for the day. Um, I would <laughs> like basically do a ton of extra work to the, to the workout because I didn't want to be in the middle of the lake. So I would do my training, like, or <laughs> like circumventing sort of like close to shore. Yeah. So like, if okay. it was like, a, like a time to thousand meters, I would probably have done like 1700, I guess. Like, so, <laughs> and like all that, like being yeah. at the back of the plane, going around the edge of the lake, being close to the door, mm-hmm. these are all these are all you going in the case of like the worst case scenario. 
I'll be as close as possible to being able to exit. Like to that's escape. what all those that's are. That's what it's for. all about. Yeah. yeah. Do you do it? Do you do it in like movies and like in, no. in like the like the bars things like that? Okay, I haven't been to a bar in a long time, but um, no. Huh. <laughs> okay, so yeah. interesting. Considering yeah. like when when you do that, and uh, mm-hmm. for example, when you're paddling around the lake and you're staying away from the rest of the group, what type of story are you telling yourself in your in your head mm-hmm. that makes that does it is it a story that makes that okay for you or that makes it normal is it is it just a fear that you're trying to overcome um i'm just trying to get through the the workout really and but it was, but you, there was a lot you, of like did you, you know. like feel like oh i'm different from everybody else because, oh absolutely yeah and and did that like affect the way that you um the way you formed relationships i don't know uh, I'd have to ask Sarah. <laughs> um, well, she's probably not the person to ask because she's here. She's so here, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't you guys think are friends. so. Uh, I've always been pretty social and uh, have made friends easily. Um, I don't have, I have a lot of friends, but I have a, like a group of really, really close friends. Mm. And uh, I would say I'm a, a very loyal and, um, and uh, you know, really hold those people to was this uh, was really this something hard. that came up in conversation when you first started uh, dating your husband? About what? Uh, like panic disorders and, and um, agoraphobia. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm sure like he probably got the message pretty quick, you know. And I'm like, he's like, oh, why well, are you cracking great... the door open? Yeah, like, well, the, on our but, date. But do you know what I'm? Of, do you know what I'm saying though? Like, yeah. like, do you not because, feel safe? I... No, it, it's never. It's never something. It's not like a conversation over. Like, hey, do you want to date me? I have panicked. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. I, of course, of course. But yeah. but like, okay. So for example, from a young age, you yeah. you're like aware that you're doing things different than than some of the other kids so like you're clearly aware that you have this um thing that is a little bit different than what the normal person's experience would be like right um did that come that didn't come up in conversation uh when you started for example dating your husband or dating and or dating in general um, no like eventually uh it would come up for mm-hmm. sure but it, it certainly wasn't something I, I ran with it wasn't my opener for <laughs> well, sure I'm sure it's not a pickup line no but for <laughs> certainly like uh I knew like um I knew like Brian was like a really good guy uh early on because his name is also Brian his name is also yeah. Brian <laughs> yeah yeah but you're also a very, you're also you're a very next. good guy you're next <laughs> you really had to point that out eh, Brian <laughs> But uh, uh, one like um, memory that stands out would be going on our honeymoon. And so we hadn't done or I hadn't done enough research into what kind of a flight it was going to be. So we went from Halifax to New York on a plane and then we were going to Mexico for, I don't know, 10 days and then back to New York for a few days and then and then home. This was all before Christmas. And we get to the plane. Halifax to New York is not a big flight. It's yeah, but it's a small, small plane. Yes, so we got we walked down the what's it called the tarmac. Yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and uh, we got on the plane, and Brian was ahead of me, and he went and sat down. I walked about four steps towards 
the seat. I turned around. I elbowed everyone out of my way. Oh, and no. I got off the plane. Oh, no. And refused to get back on. Oh, um, no. So Brian came off and the, the you know, the um, flight attendants were trying to rationalize with me. They were like, it's a quick flight. You know, and we're, I'm like, I'm not getting back on. Like, <laughs> I don't think not, you know what's happening here. you can do that's going to make me get yeah. on that plane. So Brian was just kind of dazed and confused. And uh, we sort of walked off and he was like, okay, like, what are we going to do? There's no bigger planes to get to New York. I was like, get in the car, we're driving. No. <laughs> so, uh, no. yeah, so we drove to New York. To, like, got to spend one night in New, in New York, not four. Got on the plane, a big plane, to Mexico. Had a great time in Mexico. Got back to New York. Had to drive home. Made it home, like, the <laughs> middle of the night before Christmas morning um, in a snowstorm. And we like flew off the road a bunch of times, but that's like when oh I was like, God. all right, he's a keeper. <laughs> I half imagine, I half imagine, you, wow. getting, I half imagine yeah. you getting to New York and it, and you like, like walking out on the runway to like a prop plane and you going like, I guess we're driving, <laughs> driving to Mexico. Sick boy podcast. We'll be right back after this very short break. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, you, you seem to, like, you, like your lifestyle and the way that you, you know, like being social, your, your, your work, your willingness to be here, like it really sort of challenges, I think, a lot of the, the sort of uh, preconceived notions that people have about yeah. um, uh, the, these, like the things that you deal with, panic disorders, agoraphobia. Um, I wanted to touch on because we 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 have had personal experiences where 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 I've sort of seen some of these things um, like rear their head, mm-hmm. and um, and at the time I I didn't I didn't I had I didn't know at all mm-hmm. um, what you what you deal with on you know in a, on a day to day basis. Um, so you took uh, I, I teach yoga. You took my teacher training um, mm-hmm. uh, that was in in May. Sadly, got cut short by. My you. experience got cut short by <laughs> by being yeah, hit yeah. by a vehicle, um, <clears throat> but that's not the way that you. That's neither that. here nor there. Yeah, <clears throat> so um, like one person up here who never listened to the show before is like, "What the fuck did he just say? <laughs> <laughs> he got hit by a vehicle, uh, and they're just gonna gloss over just that? Gonna gloss over that? <laughs> yeah, I know. I talk about it way too He's much. Okay, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> he wasn't. Well, we we were no, I wasn't. We were we were sitting. We would be sitting there, and we'd be in we'd be in lecture, and um, and you know you always I, and now in high, in retrospect, now I'm like, oh yeah, you always sat by the door, and um, the door was usually propped open, and I I figured, oh, it's good airflow, but I mean, for for you, was it was it like <clears throat> I need to prop the door open because. Uh. I, I just feels better when the door's open. It definitely feels better when the door's open, but that wasn't really a thing. Like, do- okay. Uh, okay. No, I'm fine. I'm, I'm and, and one of the one of the things that that I that I find really that I found really interesting because because in doing this show and doing and also my my life in the yoga world mm-hmm. is uh, I I really try to straddle the line between like 
um, that medication fix can fix everything and that like lifestyle changes can, I, I really hate either end of the spectrum. I don't want medication to be the only fix and I don't want, I don't want people to think that, you know, you can just eat a lot of uh, St. James g- Ward g- ginger and, and like, and like, you're going to, you're going to get rid of your problems. Like, well, wow, that's a real fuck. You guys love that one. eh? That bullshit. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. St. John's Ward. St. John's Ward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's why they were laughing. They're laughing because you don't know. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> but like you know, it really does. Like it, it really does. It, it really does drive me nuts when I, in particular, when you're in the when you're in the yoga world, you hear no shortage of like, oh, like fuck medication and like yeah. you know yoga can fix everything and yoga can cure depression and blah 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 and. I mean, maybe on some very in some very low levels, and I, I think it's a gr- I think it's a great compliment to mm-hmm. to anybody's um, or can be. But um, tell me about your experience with meditation when we right. when we got into that. Yeah. So Taylor's being far too kind. Um, so basically, I. A lot of people um, in yoga teacher training is a very diverse group. Um, I was probably one of the older ones and really had no. Um, I just did it sort of for personal development. And because I had started doing a lot of yoga and I found it really helpful for anxiety <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it's just, you know, it was getting me a bit fitter and, and I don't, didn't want to exercise really hard or go to CrossFit or anything. So this, you want to stay a, the hot teacher. You're right. <laughs> that was a sweet CrossFit reference for, <laughs> for Brian. Sorry. Um, so in yoga teacher training, um, I think it was like the first day. So every morning we would do an hour practice. Nobody would talk. And then we would sit and meditate. I had never meditated before. Actually, when I first started doing yoga, I found, um, you know, even making it through a yoga class without feeling like I was getting panicky was challenging for me. Um, And then I got more and more comfortable and could stay in Shavasana, which is where you lay at the end, and uh, without panicking and wanting to leave and sort of keeping my head present. So I really thought I was at a point where I could do this training. Um, so every day after the, um, the physical practice, we would sit and meditate. And I don't think we talked too much about like what we were doing before meditating. And so we would sit there and we get all propped up and they feel like everyone else had done it, you know, a lot or at least some, and I had never done it. So we'd sit there and it'd be like, maybe they would kind of bring us into it or it would just be like, quiet, close your eyes. And I'd close my eyes and I would start bawling. <laughs> like I, it was like this angry narrator came on my head, started screaming at me, like telling me horrible things. Um, our twin boys were very sick as infants. I kept seeing them in the hospital over and over, like with things hooked up to them. And just like a lot of sort of trauma kept coming up. And uh, Like immediately? Immediately. Like, well, like I was trying to not let it happen, but yeah. then it would just like explode. Through. Wow. And sometimes we'd be meditating for like 30, 40 minutes, I think. And so I would be in this experience and it was very, very anxiety provoking. Wow. And it was just like, you're trying to be calm and <laughs> I totally wasn't calm, but everyone, you're trying to keep it together for other people because you don't want to ruin their experience too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Were you just happened. like sitting there and like bearing with it 
through the... Yeah. Yeah, which was stupid. I should have gotten up and left. That's intense. But, you know, like that sort of drive in me was like, got to get through this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So after um, we had like a three-day session, this happened every single time. Um, And every time it was like meditation time, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, (laughs) is it going to happen? And it would happen. And so we had a break and then we did like 10 days. And during the break, I actually went and saw a therapist and said, this is happening. What is like, am I losing my marbles here? And they were like, no, no, just it's fine. It's just he hadn't done it before. Anyway, so we went back on the first day and Taylor taught um, the the physical um, the physical part that morning. And then we sat down again. It was a really long meditation. Boom, I closed my eyes. I started bawling. I was, had the narrator screaming again. And at the end of it, I it was still like quiet time. I got my bag and I was like, I'm out. Like, I can't do this for 14, 16 more days. How, like, is this, is, and it, it wasn't something like that just would leave and I'd feel great and calm afterwards. It was like, it was like, was staying with me the whole day. Mm. And, you know, it's it, for other people in the training, they could just kind of go home in the evening and like, you know, have a bath. And I was going home to like three little kids, getting them ready for bed. And it was just like, I felt exhausted by Taylor, it. Taylor, I can't help but think like, were you just watching her ball and then like nobody was saying anything afterwards? Like, Taylor, Taylor yeah, sitting there going, like, and I was like, get through it. Yeah. <laughs> Stay meditating. Don't, I was, I was don't gonna, move. I was going to say, you're sitting there going, <laughs> That's so effective. I'm so great. <laughs> Look at her working through her Look, demons. She's working oh, through something. Yeah. Look at that. But did nobody, yeah. did, like, seriously, did nobody no, like, notice? Uh, or? No, I talked to Taylor's mom about it okay. uh, a couple days before, and she was like, it's got to come out somewhere, like typical like guru <laughs> Uriel Yeah. Um, Taylor's mom I, is uh, also a yoga instructor. I mean, this is all like insider <laughs> knowledge, but yeah, like, sorry, it's not yeah. like Taylor's mom was just like, hey, I just know a bunch of stuff. and. <laughs> Taylor's like, I don't know. Talk to my mom. <laughs> Go over to my she, mom's she, house. It works for me. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I, wa- I, I wanted to bring that up in the way that, like, in the way that when you don't know, because when you brought it up and you were re- like, you, you brought it up and when it was happening and you told the group and you're like, hey, like when we're doing, med- when I'm doing meditation, because, you know, we would do the Q&A about practice and everything afterwards and you brought it up and you're like, I'm having these feelings and things. Without the attachment to, you know, that, that you, you know, live with panic disorder, all these things, the answer that you get from, from that when you don't have the context of the, of, the, of the mental health issues that you have is like, mm-hmm. oh, well, like maybe it is like it needs to come out and like all these things. <laughs> and, it's, and I just wanted to kind of put a, uh, put a bit of an emphasis on how these things in pop culture that can work for a ton of people and be really helpful in in whatever it is whether whether it's whether you whether you have anxiety depression whatever uh, or you don't <coughs> that it's not it's not like a one size fits all thing and uh, just because meditation has been been promoted as something that's going to be really helpful for people with anxiety as uh, in general doesn't mean that it's going to fit the bill for everybody mm-hmm. and and that and that at some point, I think you're very right to 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 go at at this point and at this like at this juncture, this isn't really working for me. Mm-hmm. And if I want to continue taking the training, then I'm going to have to make an adaptation. Right. And I was really happy that you did because you know we thought we thought that you weren't going to come back to training. And I'm, I wasn't. And, and and it's like <laughs> and I'm so glad that you made the adaptation yeah. just because. Like that's how you go. That's how we kind of have to move through life in general. Is like right. when we face that, we could either just shut it down, or we could try to adapt and, you know, and you know, to kind of circle back to to the time in our teacher training. Mm-hmm. And I got hit by the car, and I'm going through that right now, which is like, 
I got to change every, I got to change everything when I'm doing yoga because I can't do that with that's, my that's why I think it's important for people to talk about their experiences though. Um, because I know for me, like two years ago, I went through, um, a phase of, of depression. Um, it wasn't chronic depression, but it was just, I like there were six months where I just didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I went to my doctor and he asked me if I was, um, getting outside and being active. He asked what my diet was like. Mm-hmm. He asked what my uh, sleep habits were like, and they were all shitty. And when I changed those three things, there was a, a profoundly positive effect in my life. So if I looked at only my experience and said, well, people just need to sleep, eat well, and exercise, and they can feel fine. What's That's- the cure for CF, Jer? Uh, I believe it's like <laughs> seven hours of sleep a night... Yeah, yeah. For like five <laughs> nights straight, but like at 3 a.m. every morning, you have to wake up and say the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point uh, is so that it's too, surfing. It's way too fucking complicated. <laughs> but the point is, is that 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 worked for me, but right. it doesn't work for everybody. And, yeah. and I even I even noticed that like last week, um, we were on a trip for a week and we didn't sleep very well. We were we had like no, we incredibly late nights. Um, I always eat like shit when I'm with you guys, and I didn't exercise at all. Hey, man, that's and, not on and, us. And <laughs> it's a mob mentality, man. <laughs> Jesus and, uh, Christ. And and the first two days of this week have like been, been pretty hard for me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so Same. I realized that okay, when I'm feeling down, I need to make these changes. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to work. On, those things only aren't going to work for you. Well, it's helpful. And if you know, strangely enough, I. Um, we did this 40 day yoga thing, like, uh, after the training stuff. And I really stuck with the meditation and it's awesome now. And oh, cool. It's making a huge difference in how I feel. I feel way more grounded than normal. Uh, and that probably narrator, a lot that more negative narrator voice doesn't, is, is no longer well, popping up or, or really less. good when I'm like, I have stuck to, I have a yoga practice almost every single day, uh, with some form of meditation and I feel excellent when I'm doing it. And then like, you know, the kids are screaming. So it lasts while I'm like in the practice, but I do feel like some residue from it, like gotcha. throughout yeah. everything now. And yeah. do you find that the, that, that cool. doing it more like doing it on your, in your, on your own terms is a lot more helpful than being like, we're in a group and we're going to do this now for this set amount of time. Yeah. Um, especially helpful if you can't, I can't, push myself by myself as much as I would in a class. Um, So I I do find it helpful to go to classes. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely you can work through some things and I'm teaching a bit now too. So that's, it's, you know, it's helpful to like figure out new ways to put sequences together and, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, it's sort of become a lifestyle, which is a positive thing. One thing that I'm, I'm curious to know, and you know, we're sitting in front of a bunch of med students, future, future adults that are going to be pumped out into the system and, 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 you know, some of them hopefully will be there to aid and help people like yourself. Um, but also, I, I know that through, you know, we've been doing this show now for four years. We've, we've had well over 230 conversations. We, we try to do an episode a month, at least once a month, that touches on mental health. Mm-hmm. And through those conversations and through just the general media, like, I know that there's a lot of issues within the medical healthcare system. Um, I, I know definitely Nova Scotia has, has had its fair share of issues. Um, is there, have you, have you gone through any hardships in terms of that system? And if so, what are they? 
And then on top of that, and I can ask this again if you forget, because I know this is a lot. Uh, <laughs> is there anything that you would offer up to these young minds sure, that yeah. might help them going forward in their career, regardless of whether or not they get into mental health or not? Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I had a psychiatrist from age 27 till I had my first child at, and I was 35 having my first. And, uh, then she closed her practice down and moved out West. And then I was just dropped. So like there's, you know, and you've heard this story a, a zillion times about, um, you know, when a doctor closes their practice, people are, there's nowhere to go. Um, so it wasn't, I wasn't picked up by another psychiatrist. So I was just kind of you know, floating for a long time, and I still am, really, uh, with the care from my family doctor. I mean, I'm, I feel really blessed that I did have that eight years with an amazing psychiatrist because uh, we tried all kinds of different medications, had very little success on anything, um, but I really had um, some really good guidance for a long period of time. Um, after I had my first child, because I was referred to the IWK through a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist with the IWK picked me up. Um, Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I only had, I think, three um, meetings with her, and it just wasn't a good relationship. And, you know, and that's what it's all about in terms of getting your patients to trust you and, um, and, you know, developing a rapport and being present for them and um, listening too, you know, um, you hear a lot of times and doctors get busy and you guys will be stressed and overwhelmed, of course, but uh, you have to remember that all these humans that come in front of you are, are really there seeking some sort of support from you. And it's so important, um, you know, to, to give them that time and that space, even when you're, you're running, you're running your, your arse off. Um, what was the second part of your question? <laughs> Sorry, I, kind um, of went I, I mean, I think there. you kind of nailed both of them right there in one. Yeah. It, like the, the question was, you know, what issues did you run into? Yeah. And then the second part was like, what advice would you offer? Which I think you, you really did do that. I, uh, oh um, yeah. One more piece of advice is, um, you know, once you do get a handle and feel like you have a relationship with someone who has a mental health uh, challenges, you need to trust them a little bit. Um, I, I know my family doctor, we have a pretty good relationship now, but at first um, she was, was like, you know, you're going to stay on this prescription. Every person who has anxiety who walks in my door, I give them this drug and I just see them calm right down. And I'd be like, okay, well, <laughs> I can tell you I've been on, you know, 10 different drugs and none of that has happened. And then she would be like, I, I will never, ever give you any Xanax. I was like, Okay, but um, all I'm asking is for, you know, 10 Xanax, and all I will do is keep them in my purse. And I might take one, a couple if I'm going on a flight, or if I'm in a particularly challenging situation, I might take something to get me through the situation. But and, and I know, like, a lot of doctors are wary, but once you have the rapport and understand that um, you, probably this person is not abusing me- medication, then you know, you got to work with them in terms of they may already know what's helpful for them. And don't be scared just because, you know, you've, you're, you're worried they're going to develop some sort of a face tattoo, right. Or a neck tattoo or a neck <laughs> tattoo. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to, to point out the fact and something that's come up in conversation with us, us a lot lately is, yeah. is, um, you, you mentioned we try to cover mental illness at least m- once a, a month, Yeah, but the fact 
is, is that everybody has mental health and when you're dealing with physical illness, mm. um, managing your mental health is something that's extremely important. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean like with cystic fibrosis, you know, we've, we've been speaking at a lot of conferences and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and different, different, um, events that are put on by, by organizations that are within the, the medical field. And one big thing, especially at these like CF events, these CF conferences is, the a lot of conversation being pushed towards the comorbidity of of depression and anxiety with cystic fibrosis and mm-hmm. and how you know if you're going through something as as drastic as a, a you know a, a chronic fatal illness it it's no wonder that you're you're very likely um, not going to go through but like you are you are. Opening up a lot of yeah. doors that can lead you into the world of depression and anxiety, and I think as people involved in the in the healthcare system, it's important to be aware. Like my mom had bladder cancer yeah, a few yeah. years ago, and and the according to her, the hardest part was not the physical treatment; it was actually managing her mental health mm-hmm. through that entire process. So. Mm-hmm. It's just something I think that mm. n- there needs to be more of a light shone on it. Yeah, which until that conversation, I really didn't like. I really didn't think about. It. Or, or like when I got hit by the car, and it's like, oh, you can go see a psychologist because like maybe you're f- maybe you're fucked up mm-hmm. about cars or roads or bikes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think I am, but maybe I am. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I should go see a psychologist and figure the fuck out. Yeah. So because like it's a it's a it can be available and you can and you can you can sort that out. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, from what something that you mentioned uh, when, near when we started about how. You know, in the early '90s, it's kind of like a, mm-hmm. you know, just you know, just deal with it, and like it'll sort itself out, sort of mentality, and and where just like <laughs> mental health and how we view it as a society is was then. Where do you see? How do you see that now, and and the changes that have happened? Oh my god! Like I'm so happy it's 2019, and you know that we're having this conversation. This conversation would not have happened mm. in in the early 90s at all. And I think there's more tolerance, and I think there's more acceptance, and uh, and I think slowly people aren't scared anymore uh, of the sti- well you know I can't say that but um I think the stigma is being reduced in terms of people having you know the confidence and uh, knowing that you know their their problems aren't going to necessarily fall on dead ears I think mm-hmm. um our parents or my parents I should say I don't I'm sure if we're in the same generation but our parents generation are still a bit kind of like huh what's happening here mm-hmm. you know like well, oh, yeah. they don't know yeah, how to definitely. how to refer to anybody or or talk to anybody but I find even a for instance, our um, one of our twin boys was just diagnosed last month with ASD, which is autism spectrum disorder. And uh, I, I know we're talking about yoga; it just keeps coming up. But I was uh, a couple of weeks ago at uh, Taylor's partner Kyla's class, and I was telling her this, and she was just stopped and she was like, "ASD, okay, so what is that? And is that like the term I should be using now?" You like she's she's Kyla, so she's yeah, awesome. that's so Kyla, <laughs> but she, yeah. But she, you know, it's just like that before. I'm not sure I would have ever mm-hmm. brought that up, or I would be mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, what are they going to think about like?" You know, are they going to think my kid is like going to be like in a learning center or something like that? Or, you know, but there's just there's so much more knowledge available about it now. Or even if someone brings up something to you and you don't know about it, people are like very seem very happy to or more open to be to be able to answer questions Mm. about 
what it is, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, so I think it's like, uh, I'm just really happy yeah. we're living in the time we're living. I really. feel like, I feel like I kind of, I feel like we sort of straddle the line in terms of like sort of the same way that I remember what it was like to not have the internet. Mm-hmm. But I also pretty much grew up with the internet. But I like right. I have that vague recollection. Um, I sort of feel like that's the same way with mental health. Like I kind of like I, I I feel like we've come into a different time. Not that it's like not that it's where it needs to be or where it, or, or 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 where it ends is right now. But that I, I I very much do remember remember a time where it was where it was very taboo and probably not actually not that long ago. Like ten ten years ago, I'm sure it was a, a very 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 different time. And since then, and then for sure, since we've been doing the podcast, more so, I think probably because we're just in that world a lot. No, um, I think it's like just due to us. Like, I mean, I think we're just, <clears throat> we're, ch- we're changing like the we're world, just dude. Yeah. We're just championing and no. championing. But, but I think you're right. Like, you know, it's like every, I feel like every month there's a new, um, and, and I, I recognize that this is kind of maybe a dumb way of, of thinking about it, but it, I do find it kind of interesting. It's like every month there seems to be a new celebrity or sports star or someone who comes forward and goes, Hey, I have anxiety or I've been going through depression or, you know, Bill Hader just recently came out and did this like video journal where he basically just spoke about his, his, uh, anxiety disorder. And it was, it's, it's fucking beautiful. It's awesome. It's, Mm -hmm. it's amazing to see. Um, that wasn't a thing when we were younger, Mm -hmm. you know, the time clearly is changing and, and I think there's something really, really great about that because it's it's only going to, it's only going to help. It's only going to help the the you know the the younger generations that are coming up behind us. And yeah, so I, I mean, I want to say thank you for first of all for showing up in, and and it's one thing to sit down in a recording studio with the three of us and have a conversation about what it is you're going through now the three of us in a recording studio and to sit down with you talking about anxiety and agoraphobia, like that's one thing. And then it's a whole other thing to do that in front of an audience of strangers that you don't know. Like that to me is so I, I, and I'm not looking for like to like push out that like inspiration porn type thing. But like, I really (laughs) do think that that's fucking courageous. Like, I think that is, I, and I, I applaud you for that. And yeah, go go for it. Like, I think it's, (laughs) don't hold back. (laughs) Because as much as, as much as we're trying to do this, we couldn't do it if it wasn't for people like yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the most important part. So, well, yeah, thank you. Again, I just think when I found out that Taylor was part of this through, Yoga teacher training. Sorry, <laughs> we uh, love geez. yoga. <laughs> this actually, this whole episode has been brought to you by Shanti Hot Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah, um, I, I just think this is amazing, and I, I, you know, and then uh, Brian called me on Monday, and I was in my head, I was like, they must have had someone drop out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's literally how yeah. we book guests. Like, oh, really? oh are like you right free before. tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. 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 We're so pretty last too much minute. time to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but then he was like, yeah, we're going to be in front of some med school students. I was like, oh, what an amazing opportunity to like have a conversation about this. Mm. But yeah. I love what you guys are doing. I'm like fully on board. Can you tell when I called you, I was like, because I read in your application, <laughs> agoraphobia and panic disorders. I'm like, there's no way you're going to want to do this. And so I was like, like can we bring uh, the med school hey, class so, to your house? So uh, <laughs> do you want to record the podcast? Also, by the way, like, 
there might yeah. be a few people there. Is there, that okay? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm a teacher. I'm that's fine. Yeah, I'm like, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and again, like challenging the challenging the the stereotypes right. or the notions that people have is it's amazing. Right. Um, I, I before we wrap this up, there is one other thing that I want to say, and, and it kind of piggybacking on what I said to you. It, I I I thank you for being here and and doing this because I think it's important. Um, but on top of that. Again, what we are doing would not be possible if it wasn't for people like yourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that actually take the time to listen to this, um, you know, on their way to work, listen to this while they're doing the dishes, like listening to this during their every day, whether you're sick or you're not sick, um, we would be speaking to the fucking ether if it wasn't for the ears that are behind behind the speaker and, and actually engaging with this conversation by just actively listening. And I think that is also the thing that will truly make like a massive, massive fucking difference in the world. Um, because what's the point of, you know, bell, let's talk about it if no one's willing to listen. So thank you all so much for a coming here tonight, but also be just listening in general, uh, really means the world to us. And I think you should give yourselves a round of applause for that one. (laughs) <laughs> um, and thank you, Moncton. Wake up, Moncton. <laughs> Just joking. Thank you for tuning in all the way over in Moncton um, and St. John. Uh, love, love seeing you all there. It's, it's always really fun to to come and do this and and see you from you know uh, uh, another from province here, away. It's yeah. really St. Really John neat. River is really fun. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> thank you all so much for for showing up there tonight and uh, and for booking the Moncton. Like, what did you just book a conference room or something? You're like, I, I'll take the conference room. Just patch me in. Um, thanks for thanks for showing up. Uh, are we gonna take you? Yeah, we are. Um, so so actually, for the sake of the recording, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna like yeah. sign it off, and then yeah. and then again, you guys clap as loud as you can. St. John, I'm counting on you to clap as well because we we can't hear you, but we can see you, and that counts as well. Uh, that is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. I'm Bridget. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.